Welcome to this week's episode of Soccer Neophytes Podcast. We have some controversy in the Manchester Derby. North London is red. Liverpool and Chelsea are so mid. And the mini league titans. What's up, gentlemen? Yo, what's good, Nate? What's going on? Hey, hey. Hey, guys. Well, we had some very exciting derbies uh, to talk about, but um, we... before we do, uh, we're all, we all have different drinks of preference tonight. Um, we had uh, Heineken. Kyle's drinking a Heineken. Chris is drinking Coors Light, right? Yep. It's Andrew, only because I have a keg of it in the backyard. So ooh, I got I gotta drink down the keg. Drink oh, down the keg. I what a problem. What, I wonder what they call I wonder if they call them kegs in the UK. I, I feel like they would have a different name for it. I wholly totally agree. Yeah, I have no idea. Let me look it up and see if Google knows. Oh, it knows. No, let's no, let's let us let's let someone Stu will chime in. I'll get a message it, at like 4 30 in the morning, five in the oh, morning. No. You should guess, and then we can see how close you are. I think they call it a keg. I'm going with keg. You're going with keg. Yeah. Okay, so we use the word taps, which they use too, but they don't refer, they refer to the taps as where they, where it pours from, although it's connected to a keg. I feel like they'd call it like a barrel or something. Uh, That feels, I think barrel's a good guess. If it's not keg, that's a good one. That's a great guess. Yeah. Or it'll be something random, like a belly. Uh, yeah, a bladder. Like a pouch. Some call like a pouch or something. A pouch. <laughs> something kind of cutesy. Who knows? Andrew, are you drinking? You held something up over there. Yeah, I have a grapefruit tree in my backyard, and so I, I'm having a vodka a grapefruit, Ooh. and uh, it's really good. Fresh. I'm not I, mad at that at all. Oh man, I'm in orchards in Arizona. Those smell so good. Seriously, this is how old I'm getting. My grapefruit tree is like my favorite thing about my house. I sometimes take pictures of it because like, you know, if my 18 year old self could see me now, he'd beat the ever living hell out of me. But I friggin' love, I love my grapefruit tree and I love my Roomba. I'm an old man. Add it to your Tinder profile. Nothing wrong with that. Grapefruit tree and, 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 and Roomba. Got it. There you go. I'm drinking a tea with uh, vodka in it. It's so good. It's this really spicy tea and it tastes amazing. Is it like a chai? I'm sitting outside. No, it's just like a, I don't know, a spicy bag tea. I don't know. Nice. Something Emily bought. It's like so. a hot toddy, but with vodka. I love it. Vodka. So good. I'm loving it. Cause I'm sitting outside. Kids are going to bed. I got to keep it down. Smaller house. Got to do it. So, all right, well, let's jump into the Manchester Derby. Um, Kyle, this was the match you ended up watching. I think yeah. we flipped the script. Uh, partway through the week wanted to give you something oh. to to chew to chew on so uh give us your thoughts it was an exciting one we flipped that today actually i texted chris and i was like <laughs> what game are you supposed to watch <laughs> he's nice uh this one but you're gonna watch this one instead and- the, the good news is like with kyle is i know that if if he didn't catch the game live it's, it doesn't make a difference because he's absolutely not going to know who won or did what no. in any of the games anyways. No. It's not going to get spoiled. That's no. right. 
It's almost as if like you couldn't spoil it if you tried. He'd be like, okay, so which one's City? Which one's United? Are they the blue? Are they the whatever? No, literally right. That's right. But so I do know. But I give us your thoughts. This is a this is a huge rivalry. Um, Manchester City, perennial champions of the Premier League. United, historical champions. Uh, massive rivalry. Uh, yeah, give us your thoughts. And I know I've heard of both teams, like even before I did the podcast, like I've heard of both teams. Well, Man City, maybe Man U for sure. Yeah. And uh, so my first, so there's two Manchesters. My first thought is, why are there two Manchester teams? Is that like having the Jets and the Giants and the Lakers and the Clippers? Is that right? 100%. Yeah. Okay. More or less. But, but also these, these cities could even have more teams than that. Like London, I don't even <clears> know how many teams are in London. Because remember, we've been talking about this massive pyramid of teams. So, mm -hmm. you know, I think there's seven London teams in the Premier League right now. And that's just the way it is. None Which of is why they have to specify it's a North London Derby and not the West London Derby and all that. Uh, re refresh me. Clearly a Derby is, sounds like it's a rivalry. Is that what that means? That's yeah. Right. Yep. Okay. Um, okay, thoughts. Uh, you know what? I think... Holland is my favorite player. <laughs> Thin line. Join the club, dude. It's like, it's an easy person to like. I like a lot of really good players, especially like you know, his his scoring um, prowess. You would would be you think he'd be like an arrogant, I don't know, douchebag. But I don't. To me, he doesn't come across that way. I don't know. I don't. I've only watched him play twice, and so I haven't seen him score yet. I know that's crazy. <laughs> like maybe I shouldn't watch their games. He's gonna not, if I keep watching their games, he's not gonna break the record. Do it. Keep watching. <laughs> so I like him. I don't know why. Just as I think I've always been attracted to like sports athletes who score a lot. I like I like offense. I like big big blonde men. You've always been attracted to <laughs> big blonde men with ponytails. Um, I, I want to see him score, which I've kind of been frustrated twice. I've watched him. Man City plays twice and he hasn't scored. What's he at 20? He doesn't 20? score this week. Kyle, if he doesn't score this week, I will eat my computer. There is no way he's going to go three matches without scoring. He's the leading goal scorer in the, in the league this season. This has been an anomaly. Do you think he's rusty, Nate? I don't, I don't even know what's going on. I actually, I actually don't know what's going on. Man, a City is not playing well. So, I mean, it could be a number of things. He played in a different role in this match. He played a little further back, like in a false nine. A false nine is essentially like the nine is the striker. A false nine is someone who plays back a little further. They're not a traditional striker. So I don't know if that was Pep trying to mess with uh, United and play him in a different spot. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with him. I was very appreciative that they – pulled him back a little bit. That was, that was nice. I liked it. Um, let's see what else. Uh, so clearly soccer fans are crazy and there's, you know, I know soccer fans have chanting throughout the games. Do you guys audibly know what the hell they're saying? I have no idea. I just, you're just, I don't know. Uh, this is a great question, and I don't know how they synchronize it because I'm still new too. But 
but there's no way they can plan it out among 30,000 people that perfectly. Because sometimes it's that you just got a group of big mouths who just start chanting the same thing over and over again, and it just kind of catches on. And they seem to have like a natural rhythm. They've been practicing chants for a while. But I mean, sometimes they'll just be shouting something that's so random, but it's perfect for that exact moment. And you know, it couldn't have been choreographed, right? Well, I think what I think the reality is, remember, these clubs are hundreds over 100 years old. Right. And there's there's chants that have that have just existed for so much of that time. Right. They just grow up chanting and then it's a matter of they will just change some words out. So and you'll hear some of the same rhythms like uh, I've heard there's chants that wolves do that it's the same rhythm and cadence as other teams. And I don't know if they're saying the same thing or something similar with just different players or different coaches. You know, wolves have one C senior for Raul Jimenez, but Liverpool also has the same chant for one of their players. Um, so yeah, I do think it is as spontaneous as it sounds. Uh, Andy, on Twitter, you will see the fans. If there's a new player come in, fans will try and create a chant set to a pop tune and they'll try and get it started. Sometimes it works. Most of the time it doesn't, but it, most of them are locked and loaded chants. Um, there's like a, we're going to Wembley chant. And so that one's well known so that if you're going to a final or a semifinal, that may break out. Um, there's tons of there's tons of chants and most of them actually are uh like spontaneous i uh is it uh, i was just complaining about being an old man um i'm suddenly feeling very young um <laughs> it when you said sometimes the chants don't work even though they try is that like in the movie mean girls when they're like stop trying to make fetch happen it's not gonna happen <laughs> exactly that's exactly right <laughs> I, yeah, but I, think I was thinking about this today too. Like there's gotta be some kind of like group me or like message board that like all these fans are on and like people are posting different stuff that they, there's gotta be something. I'm going to reach out to a couple friends and find out. Is there too in sync to be like random? There may be, yeah. but. But like, what, cause what, like what the I've ones that are happening, like in real time, like how do you get 40,000 people like chanting, like, you know, whatever just happened. Like it's, it's just, I don't know. Maybe it's just, that's, awesome. that's what I'm saying is like, there's chants that are just locked and loaded. So when I was preparing to go to Wolverhampton, I found this website that had like hundreds of Wolverhampton chants that have just been existed forever. And so, you know, remember a lot of these fans have been going to 20 to 40 matches a year for their entire lives and the songs there's some standards that just always happen but then there's random ones that they'll pull out so definitely reach out to your fan uh chris and find out like katie and some of them and find out but with with wolverhampton as far as i know it's like twitter and maybe on like facebook groups and stuff but it's mostly songs that have always existed and you just change out a player's name or you're chanting there's team specific chants and stuff like that. Yeah. It's I did like, see, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Chris. As I say, I did see, uh, like a pretty 
have you followed United fan when they signed Wout this week? He was like, here's the song for Wout. It was uh, shout, shout, let it all out. But it was Wout, Wout, let it all out. Uh, so, like, I've seen a couple of people, like, post like that. that that's why I think there's though. gotta be something. But, yeah, I have no idea. That's that's one of those corny ones that's not gonna catch on. For I, me, I, Nate, I, it's yeah. almost like um, when you go to Temple and you have your prayer book, you don't, oh, it's like, oh, we're doing this chant now, gotcha. Or, like, you get a hymnal at church, same concept, you know? It's like, oh, turn to page 74, we're doing that one. I do think it's pretty similar to that, though. That there's a hymnal, and 100%. you have- you have yeah. churches that sing certain songs or or temples that do certain like chants. Or depending on which high holy day it is. Yeah. To- totally. Or Baruka what you don't even know what you're saying half the time. Right. So that's a long-winded answer uh for you, Kyle. That <laughs> what those uh where's the trumpets? Where's those trumpets they have like in like the World Cup that are really the, the Vuvuzelas? Vuvuzelas, baby. What are that's- they called? Vuvuzelas, they banned them at some places. Remember when they got really popular at Anaheim Stadium uh, with the Rally Monkey, and it was so obnoxious the year they won. That was two thousand two. Yeah, be the Giants. Oh, that was I remember that very well. Anna Slime, ugh, what a dump that place is. Brandon's gonna love that. Wrong sport, I know, but Anna Slime Stadium sucks. My favorite channel I've heard. Last, last, last one on this. My favorite channel I've heard is the. We've got the ball. We've got the ball. Oh, we lost the ball. We lost the ball. <laughs> totally. We've got the ball. It's That's so, my favorite. There's so many good ones. Right? And the nice thing about that one is you can ad lib as it goes. It's, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's so great. good. Kyle, what else you got for us? Uh, next note. I fell asleep. Uh, <laughs> first half was slow. I mean, it was scoreless. So. As a non-soccer fan, clearly I want to see action. So the, if it's 0-0 zero, zero at halftime, I'm like, uh, snooze. Even though it's a rivalry game or whatever, I was not very entertained in the first half. Um, second half, different. Um, Nate, you remember you told me to pay attention to what the announcers say? I might pick up things that are different. <laughs> yeah. Uh, after Man City scored their first goal, <laughs> the announcers say, and he belches off the bench. <laughs> That was because it was because Graylish had just come on as a substitute. uh, And three minutes later, he scored. So I don't know what the belches part of that is, but I mean, that's essentially what he was saying is he came off the bench and scored immediately. I have you picked up on how sarcastic most of the announcers are. It's very dry. Kind of getting that now. They've got this um, sarcastic understatement, which is probably my favorite thing. They're like, yeah, he sure didn't want that to happen when someone scores the easiest goal ever. But they're so perfectly dry about it that it's probably my favorite thing about watching live is hearing the play-by-play. It's funny, and the accent makes it even better. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because it's so passive-aggressive, and I'm not passive-aggressive, but I love hearing other people do it. I'm more aggressive, aggressive. Um, so hearing other people do passive aggressive makes me, um, I don't know. I always giggle at it because it's so stupid, but it's, uh, it's one of my favorite parts about the, uh, the last six months. Now that you say that, yeah, I can kind of pick up on that. Um, I've always thought this next thought. I've never asked anybody this, never asked any soccer fans this. And I, it's, 
probably the same everywhere. And maybe the MLS is different. I have no idea. Um, I know that soccer goalies wear different colors, differentiate themselves from the rest of the team, but why random ass colors like bright orange? Like, why not use this, your team color? But like, let, let's say that you guys call them kits, right? Yep. Yeah, they're kits. The kit's the whole thing. You call the top part still the jersey, right? Even though the kit is the entire the portion. The top. No. Top or shirt. Say jersey, they'd say top or they'd shirt. Say top? Or shirt. Yeah. yeah top or shirt. A team A. Well, for example, Man City is the ugly Carolina blue. Um, I don't know what their secondary color is, but let's just say it's like a dark blue. Why doesn't the goalie wear like their secondary color? But, um, we're going to put you in stop in a like construction cone orange like i don't understand where they get these random colors for the, for the goalies um sometimes they try to be audacious on purpose it seems just to uh for flamboyance or uh, purple in purple like well i no. think i think also because they want to differentiate from the other team no i know and, that and, but what i'm but what i'm saying is most of the other teams have pretty standard colors and so in a, in an effort to differentiate from all the teams in the league they pick really bright colors gotcha. and they'll have keepers will have a couple different kits or tops that they'll wear that they can interchange depending yeah depending on who they're playing. Interesting. I've always wondered that, but never really thought to ask anybody in my life that question. So this figured a good time to ask. <laughs> the, the rule of thumb, Kyle, seems to be the uglier, the better for um, goalkeeper kits, just so that they can stand out. And they just they just try to be horrendous looking. They do a good job. And you know yeah, what? Well, I, I kind of like it just because, I don't know. Different. It's easier to identify him on the pitch. so That's why I figured they did, to be honest with you. My not knowing anything about soccer assumption was to do for that reason. I just didn't know why they picked the most, not even close colors to their normal colors. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> next note, this is getting exciting, which it really was. Like I would say the second half was super exciting. For a non-soccer fan, I actually enjoyed watching I don't know how many minutes the, the uh, two to one final, wasn't it? Yeah. The last three goals. I don't know what point. I think it was like the 60 something minute was the first one, maybe around there, 50 or 60 something minute. Um, so that means like the last half an hour of the game was very action packed, which I actually enjoyed. Um, let's see. Literally saw a player standing out of bounds, still dribbling the ball, but the ball was inbound. He was out of bounds, but I guess the ball's inbound still, so it's still good to go. Yep. Yes. This that, has been what, like, that's a great insight. That's like one of the hardest things for me to like continue to remember or think about is like, it's all about where the ball is. And it's not just like in, in all American sports, you touch the line, it's in or out. Right. In, that's what, yeah. In soccer, the entire part of the ball has to cross over the entire part of the line. So there has to be like clear grass in between where the ball is. And so a lot of times, like, especially in the world cup, I don't know if you saw that one, there was like an almost out of bounds ball and it depended on what angle you were at, you could actually see it. But like most of the ball was over the line, but still like the furthest side of the ball was still touching part of the line. They brought it back in play and scored on it and people just lost their minds. Uh, but the entire ball has to cross the entire line. See, I wasn't losing my mind, but I was definitely like, what in the, 
hell? Like I, he's dribbling the ball, but he's like out of bounds, and the ball's he's still kicking it inbounds. I'm like, what? Yeah. I'm, I figured at that point, like, well, that's a soccer rule. I never, I didn't know. Is that just, just the other thing too? Is there was a controversial goal, Manchester United. This is a couple years ago, Chris. You'll probably remember this. Two or three years ago, the ball was kicked super high in the air, and it like arched down the sideline and came back in and then United ended up scoring. And the question was, did the ball go out of bounds? And I remember you and I discussed that for a while, Chris, but yeah, yeah like the entire ball has to go beyond the, the furthest edge to be considered out or to be considered a goal. Yeah, it's that was literally against- the exact opposite of American football. That's right. Right. The exact opposite. Yeah. That play was against West Ham a couple of years ago. That's right. And uh, yeah, they don't, I think the next thing that soccer maybe needs to do is implement a better camera system, especially if they've got VAR in place the way they do now, they need to upgrade their camera placements, like kind of how the NFL has the pylon cam now and all these sideline cams, like for there not to be a camera that's just straight down the line on both sides of the field is kind of crazy. Yeah. You're like, there's a uh, controversial goal that is still being talked about or whatever. So I was trying to figure out which one that was. Clearly, it wasn't the first one. No. And no, I, I know which one it was. I don't remember which one in order it was. It was but the I, next one. So it was it the was one that tied one. it for United. Yeah, it. It, like, there was like a big, like, should it be, should it not be? Was he offsides? Was he not? And I kind of know what offsides is, but I also kind of, if I was a ref, I couldn't like, oh yeah, that's it. I couldn't go out there and call it. But like, I know kind of what it is. Is that what the issue was? Yeah, let's take some time to talk about it because really it was uh, the most controversial thing of the weekend. I mean, my Twitter feed was just filled with people talking about it. So, um, yeah, the the problem is Rashford was offsides when the ball was kicked, but he never touched the ball. And Bruno Fernandez was the next person to touch it, and he put he slotted it away. This is honestly one of the most confusing parts of offsides is that a player can be offsides as long as they don't interfere or mess with the play at all. That's obviously subjective, right? And that's, that's the big issue is this is a subjective law and uh, you the interpretation on the field was that Rashford didn't interfere with the play. So the goal stood. Um, I think most people that I've seen have said that he did interfere, but again, it's like, what does the interference mean? He didn't make contact with any player. He didn't make contact with the ball. So in a physical sense, he didn't interfere. The question then becomes, his position on the field, did it impede the defenders from being able to make a play on the ball? So let's let Andy say something. I know Chris is chomping at the bit. This is his team. And uh, Andy, I'd love to hear your thoughts or what you wanted to ask. And then, well, we'll actually, I was actually kind of blown away by Tim Howard. Of course, he's going to take the uh, side of the defender. You know, he's a goalkeeper for Everton forever. Uh, Goalkeeper for the U S men's national team. Um, so, of course, he's going to take the goalkeeper's um, uh, aside in this, not the goalkeeper, the defense aside. Um, he said specifically that, sure, he didn't touch the defender, but he impeded the defender's ability to get to the ball because of where he was positioning himself. 
Having yeah. said that, I think that's stupid. Um, I think that not allowing a defender to touch the ball or kind of getting in their path, that's just part of the game, is it not? And impeding has the implication of physical touch because standing in somebody's way, it's kind of like taking a charge in basketball, right? So effectively, I mean, the, I mean, the defender then doesn't... Becomes, should the defender have just ran into the back of Rashford? Well, right? that's that's the thing. But, the defender but, doesn't right to the path, does he? But you've got to think, yes. Like I saw, I did see a picture. Well, I'm not going to say anything because we haven't let Chris say anything yet. So well, I'm taking Chris's side. I think you know, I know you are. I'm going to argue the opposite, but I want Chris to say his point first. Okay. And let me just say this. The rule is ambiguous. So there's... I don't think it is. It is ambiguous because you have to make a judgment and probably 75%, if not 80% or 90% of people... I saw on Twitter were saying that's bullshit. That's complete offsides. And then there was another 10 to 20, mostly United fans who said it wasn't. So I don't, I think it's ambiguous, like clearly. So that's why it was such a controversy. So Chris, give me your thoughts. All right. So there is definitely ambiguity. I mean, anytime you open up rules to subjectivity, there's obviously going to be ambiguity that goes with it. So I had never seen a situation like this. I said that in our group chat when it happened. I had never seen a goal like that where a player was clearly offside. The ball gets passed through. He never touches it. And then another player grabs it, scores. Um, I've, I saw the play live. I've seen the replays. I've listened to so much commentary on it. Um, It's a good goal. It stood. It didn't break any of the rules. The only the only objection that I would even consider is um, how that play affected Ederson, not um, Akanji. Akanji, even after the game, stated he played Marcus Rashford offside. I knew he was offside. Therefore, he didn't feel like he needed to get back. Akanji was never getting to that ball. I've seen the picture with Marcus Rashford edited out. It's so stupid. That is a live ball do it to the whole video. That ball is so far ahead of Akanji and trailing away from him. He's not getting to that ball. The only impeding that could have happened would be Rashford getting into Ederson's sightline and affecting him and his play. So if you're going to make an argument against it, it needs to be from that standpoint and not from the defender was going to get the ball. He wasn't going to get the ball. It was physically impossible for him to get to the ball because the ball was already beyond him and trailing away from him. So um, because of this goal, there's been so much talk on it, which is fun. Like at the end of the day. Well, it's fun if you're a United fan and it works for you. I think it's not fun for city fans and having been on the, on the wrong, on the bad side or the, the, the hurtful side of these type of decisions recently for wolves. It's not fun. Like when your FA cup is, I totally agree, you know? So, but like, like you said, there's ambiguity and there's subjectivity that comes into play. According to the written rules, even Tim Howard said this. Yeah, it didn't break any of those written rules. However, it affected Ederson was Tim Howard's main point. And 
even listening to Robbie and Tim kind of go back and forth, Robbie said, that's a good goal. It didn't break any rules. Tim said, what are you talking about? You're crazy. It totally affected Ederson. That's impeding. That's, you know, caught, affecting the play. So even top professionals, top color guys are disagreeing on whether this is a goal or not. So at the end of the day, I think Ten Hag said it best. He said, yeah, I feel for them. That's a, that's a crappy way to, to give up a goal. And on the other side, it's a great way to get a goal. So at the end of the day, like you maybe don't want to see that, but it is what it is. And I think that that's the best summation of it. Like even 10 X said, yeah, that sucks. But guess what? The goal stood. I guess when I watched that play live, what I would disagree with is that uh, the defender didn't have a chance to get to the ball because when I watch Chris, okay. You think that, but when I watch it, when Chris, Chris, I let you talk. Kind when of. I watch when I watch that play, it looks like he's slowing down because Rashford is in front of him. Because the implications for him, if he trips Rashford, Rashford, it's a penalty. No, it's not. If, if he, he trips th- Rashford, it's not because they will review it. He's offside, doesn't count. Yeah, that's what we thought about the offsides is that they would review it and it wouldn't be, it would be called offsides. So they did review it and they said me, it's not offside. Well, I understand. And I think that's wrong. Obviously that's the whole point of the, the conversation. The law of the game handbook F I I F A B says a player moving from or standing in an offside position is in the way of an opponent and interferes with the movement of the opponent towards the ball is an offside offense. If it impacts the ability of the opponent to play or challenge for the ball. If the player moves into the way of an opponent and impedes the opponent's progress, e.g. blocks the opponent, the offense should be penalized. Now, I understand. The whole question is, did he impede? When I watch it, I, watch, I, I didn't watch it live, but I've watched it many times. It looks like the defender slows down. He doesn't have a chance to make a play on the ball. And therefore, we don't know. I actually, I'm not saying he could have got there. I actually don't know if he could have got there. All I'm saying is he impedes it enough to where we don't know if he can make a play on the ball. It's you may be right that he never would have gotten there. My point is we, his presence impacted the ability for him to have an opportunity to make a play. And to me, that is the problem I have, whether that's a infraction or not, I don't know, but to me, it looked like it was, and that's how I would define impeding. So Right. And we'll, we'll just have to disagree on that because For sure. I watched the game live. I've seen the highlight over and over and over again. Listen to what Akanji says after the game. There's no way he's getting to that ball. He knows he's not getting that ball. He wasn't running at full speed to begin with because he thought Rashford was offside. What's the number one rule in all sports? Play to the fucking whistle. All sports. So, sorry, you thought he was offside. You didn't see Bruno Fernandez coming screaming down the middle. Tough shit. It's a goal. I agree. hundred percent. Right. If, it's if a controversy. What's his name had made a full, if he had made a full effort, it wouldn't even be an issue right now. I, I agree. If, if Akanji's going all out, it's a different story. He's not because he even said, I thought I played him offside. I knew he was offside. I didn't need to get there. Um, and, and this is a controversy because we're letting it be a controversy and it is something fun to talk about. It is, there is subjectivity in the rule. I fully admit that I have seen, 25 other goals from clubs all over the world, including players like Messi and Ronaldo, same situations happen. And it's always been a goal. Always. 
I want you to send me some of those videos. I've never seen another. I've never seen this happen. So I want to okay. see. Well, a video most fans there. have been posting the fact that City won a league championship on an almost identical play a couple of years ago. Yeah, I want to see it. I haven't seen it. I'll, I'll tag you on. I'll try and find them on Twitter again. And I'll tag you on them. All right, Kyle, continue. This was the controversy, and you see how fiery it is. <laughs> I mean, I again, I there's no way I could have put my opinion into it y'all are even arguing about <laughs> i i can't like i said if i was roughing the game i'm not i'm not one that is, i could, probably couldn't call offsides in somebody i don't know it that well um <clears throat> so when i was watching it i mean i didn't I, I didn't watch replays like chris did or whatever but i don't know i i couldn't give my opinion on whatever i thought it was but clearly i do agree play to the whistle i know that rule like yeah whatever it doesn't matter what you think is happening until yeah, that's that's my opinion on it. Is you play to the whistle, like Chris said, and like that's that's my take on it. I will I will chime in here a little bit because historically, offsides before VAR, and this is where it's be more complex than just playing to the whistle. Historically, before VAR, the flag would go up immediately and play would stop. So players are having to change the way they play the game. And you'll see this for sure. And Chris, I know you've seen this watching matches where the offsides guy doesn't flag it. The play continues. Someone gets injured and goes off and everyone's bitching about the rule that this is why you should flag offsides if you see it, because now players are getting injured because of VAR. And so all I'm saying is, there's complexities to this that are layered that aren't quite as simple as a kanji should have kept running his ass off because if he clips Rashford and Rashford ruptures his Achilles, then people are losing their shit that someone that the, the, the sideline judge didn't throw his flag up. So I, it's, it's not quite as historically like how the how the game has been played traditionally, a playing to the whistle isn't quite the same as soccer as DeAndre Ayton diving for a ball going out of bounds. So again, I still think your opinion's fine. He should have, I guess, kept running, but there are reasons players, especially players at this caliber, when they clearly see a player play, play a player off sides, they might've slowed down. Right. So. Yeah. I'm not saying that there's not discussions that that could be made you know it's an onion with multiple layers on this one and yeah. especially over the last few years like it's been a focus point though of them telling players like you need to play it out because we're gonna let the play go if it's close we're gonna let the play go and then var and review can overturn it if indeed it is but you got to play it out so like i it's kind of a give and take at the same time like i get it like you wouldn't want to see anybody get injured on a play like that um but at the same time, they've, they've, you know, in their preseason uh, discussions and, and trainings, it's all been like, you got to play those plays out. If they're offside, we'll, we'll get it figured out, but you've got to play it out. What's VAR? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Virtual VAR is Nate's ref- best friend. Virtual assistant referee. So it's basically, <laughs> it's instant replay. It's instant replay. But unlike other sports in the U S and I really, I think this would be one of the best changes they could make. They don't have like a, uh, a headquarters in New York or in London who does all of the VAR where there's consistency. There's a VAR official at every stadium 
who's making the call or not at it. Actually, I don't think they're at the stadium, but there's a specific VAR for each game and they only worry about the one game. So the interpretation of the rules on these instant replays can change depending on who's doing VAR. So the virtual if it's a real person. It just means that they're not on the field, that they're an assistant referee who's not on the field and they're watching everything digitally. Maybe it should be called a DAR, a digital assistant referee. That All right, Kyle, we'll go on. What else, what else from this match? Uh, there were other matches this weekend that we should talk about, but we've given good, good time to this one. I mean, I don't have a whole lot more than my notes or I have nothing after the dribbling out of bounds thing in my notes, but. I mean, just as a final take on the game, and it's exciting. And like I said, uh, that controversial goal knotted up at one and it ended up being a 2-1 game. So, I mean, I got to watch a close game that ended on a one, you know, I guess you say game-winning goal, you want to call it that. But it was exciting. But I enjoyed the last 30 minutes. I mean, even at the first three-fourths of the game was kind of a snoozer, in my opinion. But, you know, ended with three goals in the last, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes. So, I – enjoyed the action i guess you could say so i wasn't bored and i was actually kind of got into the end of the game a little bit more than i'd say the last couple of weeks marcus rashford with the game-winning goal i know uh, who he is too by the way i don't know how i know that name but i oh he's he's one of the greats he's okay. <laughs> he's a great player and a great dude like he's a he's a guy that you can like i know the name i, I recognize the name from just being a sports fan i guess but i do know who that is um no, but I enjoyed the game. I mean, Chris, good choice for me to pick that one. I think you, you it was the last episode I wanted to pick when I wanted to pick that game. They looked at the. Uh, yeah, we stand- talked about that or the Arsenal yeah. Spurs game. So that the the Manchester Derby definitely became the game for sure from the weekend to watch. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> so. I don't have much. In my opinion, I just I enjoyed the last 30 minutes of it. And uh, yeah. Yeah. It was pretty wild. I mean, for City to be up 1-0, they scored the 60th minute, and then for United to get the controversial goal that tied it, but then three minutes later for Rashford to put oh, home that. the game winner, I was losing my mind in the family room. I'm trying to be quiet because it was 7-8. So like early. 6-45-ish in the house, like trying to let the kids sleep. Um, but I was losing my mind. I was worried Rashford's goal wasn't going to stand, but he was, he was definitely onside. Um, Garnacho, who is an 18 year old kid is a difference maker. I think his presence is going to spell the end of Anthony Martial at United. Cause that kid just needs to be on the pitch. He's so fast and so good with the ball. Um, fun times for United. It's always fun to win a Derby. They've got an insane schedule. They've got, um, who do they play? I think they play Crystal Palace on Wednesday, and then they freaking have to play Arsenal this weekend. So uh, it's an insane time to be a United fan. They look so good. Uh, my favorite thing, I'm just, I'll, I won't go too long on this. My favorite thing leading up to the game this weekend was like all the stories that were coming out about Casemiro, who has just been incredible for United. And his whole leading up to his signing and coming to United, when once the rumors started to hit that he was potentially coming, all the old timers, all these soccer heads were talking about, oh, he's just taking the paycheck, all this stuff. And uh, it came out this week that it was during the drubbing against Brentford where Brentford was just kicking the shit out of United in the second game of the season. He texted or he texted his agent. He said, tell United I can fix this. 
And so that story came out this week. He talked about it. And it's just such a cool story because like he's literally been such a just difference maker for United. Not only the fact that him being there puts Fred and McTominay mostly on the bench. I'll give Fred his credit. He played an incredible first half against Kevin De Bruyne this week where he was shadowing him one on one for the first half. Um, but his presence has just been unbelievable. And then the stories that are coming out about how he told United I could fix this and then just seeing his passion and how much he loves these guys, you know, the stories come out. He's the first one at the training grounds, him, Bruno and David De Gea meet every day for breakfast. And they're the first three players at the complex. And he, Casemiro is usually the last one to leave. He spends his time with the younger guys and the uh, youth academy guys. He makes himself available to them that they can come talk to him, get advice, you know, and talk to him. So he's just been a breath of fresh air. I just want to give him a shout out because I just love that guy. Oh, he's definitely in the lead for the Treore Award right, right now. I love that guy too. But this isn't a United podcast. And as much as you want to celebrate, I really want to spend some time shitting on Spurs, uh, Arsenal. Win- Chris, I love What's that? Chris, I love shitting on the Spurs. <laughs> yes. yes, that's a different Spurs, but it's a different we're Spurs. This is this is Tottenham Hotspur. They lost two nil to Arsenal. North London derby. North London is red, as they say. Uh, <clears throat> Andrew, I I don't have the the text in front of me, but but you texted us at some point. Um, I wonder if I could find it. I believe it was something along the lines of why the hell did I choose the Spurs? They're such a disappointment. Yes. Why did I pick Spurs? There's nothing but disappointment. I wrote, we tried to warn you. And that's why you watch an entire season. Chris (laughs) says, we sure as hell tried to warn you. So you now get to experience the full Spursiness of being a Spurs fan. Um, Lots of disappointment. Uh, I mean, Full Spurs would be for them to finish like seventh. So that's, I, I want that for you. I want you to really like experience a, a Spurs, a true Spurs season, but I don't know if that's going to happen, but Arsenal looked good. Um, Hugo Lloris with a really misplayed ball. I mean, what a jackass. He did, the same thing in, he did the same thing in the first Arsenal match. He, he let an easy one go. I don't know if Arsenal's in his head. Or if Loris just should never wear the captain's uh, sleeve ever again, but he is uh, a weakness for this team, and it's driving me insane. Son not doing great. Son Harry Kane's amazing, but that's it. Sensignon had an okay game. He had a yellow card late. Um, Sensignon's part of the problem on that soccer goal. Like they put yeah, Sensignon in there to to mark Saka, and he abused him. That was the reason he started. Sure. Yeah. I think the problem with Lloris, I mean, one, he's older, clearly past his prime. I think Spurs need to move on from him if and whenever they can. But I think goalies get so used to like kind of flailing on saves, right? Like their dives and everything like that, that that ball came straight. Well, I, actually, I, I mean, the ball basically hits him on his chest, but he's parallel or perpendicular to the goal. So if he just chests it, it goes out, but he's so used to flailing and diving on everything that he goes to dive and it just hits him in the chest and his hands and he just goes off him into the goal. I've never seen a goalie own goal. That I was pretty surprised. awesome. I thought they were going to call that Sokka's goal because I thought Sokka was trying to put it in. It looked no, like he was, he was definitely off. crossing it. I it was so close. It was hard to tell, but 
No, that ball, because he's kicking it from the line across, that ball's not going in. That for sure. I've seen a couple angle. He he scored a goal from that position in the game I was at at Leeds. Oh, really? That's why I thought he was shooting it because he scored this goal from like, he was just like a yard off the line and just fired it up into the, up into the, top netting so that's what i thought he was doing on that but i thought it was a pass too i'm gonna uh, not that i always have to take chris's side um but <laughs> apparently like that's it. it's yeah. uh, i'm not teaming well, up on you i promise these are soccer lovers which is fine well, if Maurice doesn't mind. stick his hand and chest in the way it's gonna go through and probably go i can't remember who the player was who was over there so yeah potentially it would have been a nice goal or even the defender would have been there to defend it and get it out but yeah Larry's hey, Nate. his hand and chest out I yeah. want to I want to uh, reiterate um, one of the sickest burns that I saw on Twitter early in the season um, when Conti and uh, Tuchel got into their little fight. Um, somebody wrote on Twitter, "All this just to come in fourth. And my response was, "Screw you, Dickweed!" And now uh, Tottenham is fifth, maybe sixth. I haven't looked at the table, and Chelsea keeps dropping. So. Maybe that dickweed was right at best. Uh, that like he was even being complimentary at this point. It I, I should have known what I was getting into then. <laughs> yeah, Tottenham. Tottenham's in fifth. They're five points out of fourth. They've got Fulham nipping at their heels, uh, two points back. But Tottenham has a game in hand, and Brighton is only three points back with a game in hand. So. Uh-huh. And same goal differential. So if Brighton were to win their next match, they would jump ahead of Spurs. And hey, how, do, how do points work? Uh, you get three for a win, one for a tie, zero for a loss. Great question. And that's I how fig- the entire season is decided, basically. I figured something like that. I just didn't know what the breakdown was. The other thing besides the actual match that I thought was interesting coming after this game, at the end of the game, Richarlison runs up to Ramsdale and kind of like, I don't know, does something to his head is, it was, there was a lot of crap going on at the end of that match. And then Ramsdale goes over to the sidelines to like, I don't know, get his water bottle or I don't really know what's happening. And some freaking Tottenham fan who will probably never get to watch a premier league game live again, jumps jumped up and, kicked him. and kicks him. That's so short-sighted. Maybe it was incredible. Maybe you're from out of town. You're like, this is my last chance to see a Premier League game and make a name for myself. But that kid will never see another game live. What an idiot. By the way, it's funny that you immediately went to out of town. I'm like, that's like a North London, you know, uh, soccer thug hooligan. I just assumed he was a a local. You guys, I'm going to tell a very quick story. The guy I interviewed who was a Tottenham fan... For the first season, this is the funniest freaking story. The reason he became, he's from Portland, Oregon, was wearing a Blazers shirt in North London. They're meeting some friends and they were at the Arsenal stop. They happened to be there after a North London Derby game. They weren't doing anything that had to do with soccer. Some people came and harassed them and like beat them up because he was wearing red few years later he so he always remembers i was at the arsenal stop and got beat up a few years later he starts following soccer finds out that arsenal's uh rival is tottenham so he decides to support tottenham because he always had these negative feelings towards arsenal 
only to find out later that he probably got beat up by a Tottenham fans. And that's the team he ended up supporting. Great story. Um, I'm that level of petty. So I'm a hundred percent on board with it the whole way through. So <laughs> for sure. For I'm sure. so petty. I'm with him. Did you see or- the uh, fan cam of the kid jumping up and kicking him? Like he's legitimately a kid. I, oh, I, don't I know think he's over like 17. I, Wait, that- like, give me like the cliff notes of what happened. Well, I just did at the end of the game. Uh, well, I, don't, I don't, I don't, I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing more than that. The, the goalkeeper was like getting his water bottle from like the sideline and he was standing really close to the fans and some kid jumps up out of the stands and kicks him and then like gets rushed away or like kind of runs away. That's it. Where do you kick him at? Like in the back the or shoulder kind of yeah. like, <laughs> It was weak. It wasn't, it wasn't the toughest kick in the world. It wasn't even a good kick. I mean, he didn't Uh like open boot him. Like that would have been better. It was like, just like a kick. Would it have been amazing if he had been wearing cleats, like some sort of jackass (laughs) who wears a a kit to the, to the, to the stadium? He full kit wankered it to the stadium. Oh yeah. It's like wearing the band shirt to the band you're going to see. Oh, it's embarrassing. (laughs) Well, there are a few teams who are unbeaten recently. Newcastle. 14 games in a row unbeaten Arsenal, 12 games in a row unbeaten and Brentford seven matches in a row unbeaten. My guys, uh, Newcastle with a, a good solid win, one nil win over Fulham Brentford two nil over Bournemouth. So just want to give a shout out to those unbeatens. <laughs> and then we have some perennials, some perennial uh, title contenders who are so mid. As Brentford, Brentford Bees? The Brentford Bees, that's right. Not to be confused with Brent Wood. Exactly. Brentford. Our league, if we played. That's right. But Liverpool and Chelsea are falling apart. Liverpool's in ninth, Chelsea's in tenth. It is absolute shambles down there. Liverpool got smoked by, Brent, uh, by Brighton 3-0. Chelsea actually got a victory, which kept them in tenth place. But um, both those teams should be in the top four, competing for top four, and they're at ninth and tenth. Um, I would be more worried if I were a Liverpool fan long term, um, mostly because I think Chelsea Chelsea's got so many injuries, um, and they have a great youth system. They have a great young. They have a lot of young players, um, and I and I. I don't know. Klopp has, we've talked about this multiple times this season. Klopp seems to fall apart in the seventh season coaching a team. And that's what's happening with Liverpool. So he came out today saying he's not leaving. He doesn't plan to leave and he doesn't think they're going to get rid of him. Um, We'll see if Chelsea keeps Graham Potter around. Uh, They haven't done much with Graham Potter, but Graham Potter's a builder. And I think if they, if they manage it correctly, and let him build this club and get rid of some of the, the dross, get rid of your Obama Yangs, get rid of, I would even say Pulisic, just get him out of there, get rid of that distraction, um, get rid of some of the older players and build around some of the youngers. I don't know if they'll give him that much time, but, but that's what I would argue. Andrew. Uh, a couple of questions, actually. Suddenly there's three. Um, Liverpool, have they been injured or are they just playing like crap? They've had some injuries. Diogo Jota, one of their goal scorers and playmakers, he's injured. Um, uh, I feel like Firmino has been injured as well. So they've had some offensive injuries, but 
and there's probably others we need Tim for that, but they've also just played like crap. Like, like we said, when they drew against wolves B team with their a team in the FA cup, that first round, I mean, that just shouldn't happen. That team, that team that ran, that they ran out there should have beat wolves three nil. Um, so, and wolves, in my opinion, should have won that match, but got screwed with bar, but Um, sorry, go ahead. What's up, Kyle? Chris just sent me the video of the kick that I can't stop watching this. <laughs> it's great. It's funny. All right. Secondly, um, if Chelsea fires their manager again, is it common to have, I don't imagine it's very common to have three managers in a single season. It happens. Watford, who's not in the Premier League right now. They're in the Champions Watford, League. They're in the championship. They are notorious. <clears throat> They've had something like eight managers in three seasons. It's, it's crazy. Shut so, up, really? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's rare, but it's not unheard of to have three man. I would say probably, well, yeah, it's rare, but not unheard of to have three. And then man. finally, you referred to Christian Pulisic as a distraction because of his injuries or because of the American thing or what? Yeah, I think because of the American thing, there's a bit of a distraction. He wears the number 10 shirt, which was a big deal when it was given to him. That's a, it's an important like kit number to get. Um, And then he's injured a lot. And honestly, I think for him and for Chelsea, it'd be better for him to move on, go to a team like Newcastle or Fulham um, where the pressure is different and let him have a go and where he would play more. So Right. What's been surprising is that, which I, I here's why I don't think Grand Potter is going to get fired. They're out of the top four race, in my opinion. I don't think they can get there. They're not going to get down in the rele- the relegation hold on, hold zone. On, hold on, I have to interrupt. Not only do you not think they're going to get there, there is absolutely no way in hell they're going to get there. Everybody ahead of them is so much better than them. There is, I will bet everything on it. Chelsea doesn't break top six. Well, not everyone in front of them is so much better. Spurs are in front of them, Fulham, Brighton, Brentford, Liverpool. They're not so much better. They've been playing better. But the problem is that top four is so strong. Yeah. And jump all of those teams would be – is really hard, is really challenging. At this so, point, I, t- I would take Liverpool over Chelsea. I got to be honest. Interesting. Well, they are over them right now. So, <laughs> um, so uh, I, don't, I don't see Potter getting – getting sacked just because um, the expectations for the rest of the season are basically don't get relegated. They're not going to get relegated. So let him play it out. I think the ownership group will, will let him see this out. I mean, he was a big get for them. He was the guy they wanted so badly. You know, he was crushing it at Brighton this year. He's been a pretty good coach over, over the last few years. So um, I don't see, I don't see him getting sacked. I think the craziest part is that since the uh, American consortium took over um, Chelsea, they've spent $500 million in transfers, which is by far the most of any by team far. in the league by far. I think United is second at like 195 million or 200 million or something in that range. And for them to just be this bad with, the amount of money that they spent bringing in guys who are supposedly top level guys, either that, or they just are overpaying <laughs> like nobody's business. Uh, it's pretty crazy. But even this week, they just signed uh, that kid out of Mudrick. Uh, 
Mudrick and it was a hundred million dollar signing. Like, yep. you know, so um, we'll see. And they gave him like an eight and a half year deal, which is yep. unheard of Kyle in, in soccer. Like eight and, a half deal. eight and a half year deal is unheard of four, five. That's pretty typical. Um, later in the season when there's maybe not as much to talk about, we'll, 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 we'll walk through uh, transfers and loans and, and the structure of contracts and stuff. Cause there's some interesting stuff there. That's good to know, but no, yeah, they just spent a hundred on Mudrick, um, which is part of this transfer drama I wanted to talk about because Mudrick wanted to go to Arsenal. Arsenal was making a bid on him. They bid 95 Chelsea came, which was probably overpriced to begin with. And then Chelsea came in and, and swooped him up. So, which they did the same thing with, with Jao Felix earlier in the window as well. So, um, which is hilarious because they swooped him up. When we say swoop him up, their, their leadership group flew to where his team was met with Shakhtar, who is the club he was playing with, agreed to the deal with his club and then had to convince him to agree to the deal to sign him. So like they hijacked this, like an actual plane. Like it was, it was pretty crazy. And reading about it as well. Hey Kyle, one thing you're going to notice, and I don't know if this is hundred percent accurate, but this is how it feels like for someone who's brand new to the, this league. These contracts seem like a lot easier to get out of than say baseball or football or basketball, like you're used to here in the States. Um, I mean, they let uh, 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 Ronaldo basically out of his contract because they didn't want to pay it and they both agreed. And that's not something that really happens here. So when he says eight and a half years or whatever, and it's not that common, it makes sense. But at the same time, I feel like compared to the sports you and I are used to, um, it's certainly easier to uh, not necessarily break a contract, but reach a mutual agreement to have it come off the books. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of complexities that we don't have time to get into for why that is. I'll give you just a quick free agency rundown, Kyle. When we say Chelsea spent a hundred million dollars on this player, usually what that means is that the team Chelsea paid the players, other team, a hundred million dollars for his rights. So that money is not going to the player. That's going to the team he's leaving. And then usually the player agrees to a new deal with the team that's getting him. So it would be like the Suns paying the Lakers $100 million just for the rights to LeBron and then having to agree to pay LeBron $50 million a year on top of the $100 million that they paid. So there's always two negotiations happening. There's a negotiation with the club and then a negotiation with the player. So you don't have to do just one thing. You have to do two. But players – so. So in some ways they have, the players have way more power because you can't just trade a player without their consent. Um, But the clubs also have power too, because they can, they don't have to sell a player if they don't want to. So it's just, it's, it's really fascinating. Is is it eight years, not normal? It's a long, it's a long, long, long contract in soccer. Yeah, and he's 22 years old, so eight years will take him into his 30s. What's yeah. uh, what kind of longevity is it, you know, how long these players playing until like what age is like what's old? 
once you start getting into your thirties, like that starts to be some guys like Jao Matinho is one of the wolves uh, midfielders. He's 35 and it's like, he's for sure on his last legs. And then you got guys like Ronaldo and Messi who are obviously 37, 38, but when you get in your, your thirties, your career's probably starting to wind down. And let me put it this way, Kyle. Um, I, uh, as you might know, I'm a big Harry Kane fan. And my ex-girlfriend was watching Tottenham with me one day. And uh, she's like, Jesus Christ, how old is that guy? And I said, he's like only 28, 29. She's like, oh. And it's because he's playing with a bunch of 18-year-olds. So, of course, he looks old. Um, so, I mean, yeah, Steph Curry would be a dinosaur in this, in this league. LeBron would have been aged out a long time ago. Were you the one that Andrew said you were watching the game and there's an American got his, his first goal or something, but he's like really old? Yeah, uh, Tim, uh, Tim Ream. He was 36. Okay. That was but he's huge. a defender. He's a defender too. And so that, yeah, like... he doesn't have the opportunities, but still, uh, okay. I mean, he, it's still kind of a big deal. That was the whole point. I was more going off his age. I remember you saying something about him being older or something. I thought. Yeah, I imagine but... defenders last longer than strikers, right? <clears throat> Theoretically. That just seems obvious, unless you're perfect in every way, like me and Nate. But, um, well, let's look at the mini table at the bottom. Uh, we've been keeping an eye on that a little bit. We're not going to take a lot of time, but uh, that continues to actually get tighter. Um, the teams at the bottom have been winning. The teams at the top of that mini table, 13 through 20 in the relegation battle. The teams at the top keep losing. Uh, as it stands, Wolves and Forest both have seven points coming out of the World Cup. So that's seven points in four games. Uh, Wolves have dragged themselves up to 16th place and Forrest is all the way up to 13th. So the team that we picked to have the best uh, uh, promotion season there, they pulled themselves up to 13th and remarkably uh, all the promoted teams are safe right now. So that's, what are the what, walk me through the three again. It's uh, Norwich. It's Lester. Well, Norwich. Come on, ma'am. <laughs> Norwich is down. Norwich is still in the championship. It's Bournemouth. I'm sorry, Bournemouth, Fulham, um, uh, Forest, and and Fulham. And Fulham. Fulham's doing great. They're in fifth, right? Yep. Yeah. Sixth. Sixth. Oh, yeah. sixth. Uh, but just to put it into perspective, Wolves and Forest have seven points out of their four post World Cup matches. There are only six teams in the Premier League who have done better. And those seven points are tied with the same amount of points that City has since the World Cup break. And it's better than Tottenham, Liverpool, and Chelsea. So still a long ways to go for, for Forest and Wolves to feel really safe, but they've come out of the break looking good. Um, and this world, this post-World Cup mini league, this relegation league, uh, there's only five points separating uh, the team in 13th place from the team in 20th place. So you say table, do you say it's like as that standings? Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Table is what we say for standings. So, <clears throat> um, we have a couple things for knowing is half the battle. And, uh, we're going to start with, with Weghorst, uh, Chris, that deal, Woot Weghorst, Wout Weghorst, I don't know how to pronounce it, but that deal was complicated because there were three teams involved. Uh, Explain what happened with that, because I don't fully know. Yeah, so uh, Wild Wayhorst was 
Uh, he went to Burnley. Burnley bought him last year and brought him in on transfer. When they got relegated, they sold him off to, um, I think it's called Bestikas. Is that how you say it? Um, Bestikas, yeah, in Turkey. Yeah. It, so they sold him off because one of the biggest problems when you get relegated is that your payroll is usually too high. Um, and you usually have to sell off some players or the other thing you can do if you don't want to sell off a player, Kyle, is you can loan a player out. And so you, players go out on loans where the team basically says, hey, give us $10 million for this next season. We'll send him your way. He'll play for your team for next season. And then at the end of the season, he's coming back to us. And so a lot of these relegated teams, they loan out players to go play elsewhere. So it lowers their payroll for this season. Hopefully they get back up into the premier league after a year down in the championship, and then they can recall that player back and he rejoins their team. So relegated. So, sit down that we talked about last week or whatever, like the bottom three teams or whatever. Yeah. 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 Also Kyle, it's important to note that um, if you loan somebody out, they're not allowed to play against you. Yes. What? Which is awesome. I don't know yeah. why it that feels petty also. It and does. as we've established, Wild. I am a petty, petty man. And it's and so good. It's so great. I love that. Actually, it's like, do- I'm going to do you a favor, but here's a double, like double secret twist. <laughs> you don't, you don't get to play against me, you stupid bastard. It's so petty. I love it. It's I, everything. It's great. I'm petty, so I like it. Chris, I guess it's kind of like, you know, in American sports where there's a, you sign a free agent towards the end of the year, for like a playoff push, you're not going to sign him for a multi-year contract. You're renting him essentially. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. It could be, except that they go back to the team at the end of the, the playoffs. So <laughs> it's like another little wrinkle in that. So anyway, so Walt Weghorst was, belongs to Burnley. They loaned him out to Bastikas and United has interest because they need a striker. He's a six foot six, big guy, big personality, had a great world cup. Um, Eric Ten Hag wanted him on the squad. So they had to make a deal with both clubs, not just go to Burnley. It wasn't as simple as just going to Burnley. So essentially the way that the deal happened was that um, United paid Burnley two and a half million dollars. Burnley ended up paying Bestikas $3 million to get Wout out of his deal, his loan deal there to send him back to Burnley. And then Burnley routed him to United. Um, Bestikas did not want to do this deal from everything I read from them and heard from them. But in Wout's contract with them, he had a two and a half million dollar buyout. It was player buyout. And so he went to the club ownership and said, if you don't let me go back on loan to United, I'm going to pay the two and a half million dollars myself and you will lose me for nothing. So essentially he hamstrung Bestikas into having to do this deal. The rumor is that um, as soon as he got word that United wanted him, the next day he flew to Manchester and rented a house. <laughs> Even before like the terms were negotiated or anything, he heard United had interest and then he flew to Manchester and, and rented a house. And that was the only place he wanted to go. So essentially uh, it was a weird deal because United 
paid Burnley, Burnley pays Besiktas, and then the player ends up at United. Um, but it was a three-way loan cancellation, and it's a six-month deal with no obligation to buy. Um, teams will add that in. They'll be like, hey, you want to loan him for six months for the rest of the season? That's cool. At the end of the year, if you want to keep him, it's going to cost you $25 million. Kyle, let me point out uh, for the second time on this episode that the question was, um, are contracts in soccer kind of weird compared to American sports? And for the second time this episode, we took 20 minutes to explain yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling pretty good. We might have a new title for, I don't know what you were planning, Nate, but uh, long-winded bastards might be a good one um, for this episode. I thought and I'm, was- not, I'm not blaming Chris. I, I definitely am guilty of it myself. No, that was great. It was good. I, I wanted to know the answer to that, how that all went down. So, so he's on loan to United then. Yes. Six Burnley. month loan, no obligation to buy potentially he, you, you know, they could, he could stay there, but there's nothing in the contract that states he is going to stay to there or even that United just has the option to do it if they want it. They'd yeah. have to renegotiate. The other knowing it's half the battle is uh, Mitrovic had a pen uh, this weekend for Fulham and he scored it, but when he scored it, he slipped and somehow it hit both of his feet. So it like bare the ball touched like one of his, I think he kicked it, but he kind of slipped and then it glanced off his other foot. And so the yeah, he, didn't count. And yeah, he essentially kicked it off his off foot. So he went to plant, it slipped out, he kicked the ball into his foot, and it still went in. And then uh, the penalty for that is an indirect free kick. So basically, you can't score from the kick, So which it's super far away. They wouldn't have scored anyways, but uh, the indirect free kick. So uh, bizarre penalty. I mean, it would have – it would have. I think that was before – Newcastle scored, so they would have been up one nil. Oh, yeah. so, uh, that was, oh, yeah. a, it was that was Newcastle a huge, scored late to steal that game. That's right. So that was a huge, huge deal for Mitrovic. Um, and you know for- what's funny is I thought that goal should have been worth two, <laughs> not zero. I thought I was like, wow, that that was some skill right there. I know he didn't do it on purpose, but it kind of sort of looked like he did for half a second, and I was like, that's impressive. So um, again, soccer rules are sometimes stupid. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. We did have a red alert, not over the weekend, but during the midweek. Uh, and it's the funniest red card, not because of what <laughs> happened, because it was just a, a high boot, but it was because it was Jao Felix, newly acquired, newly signed player for Chelsea, highly acclaimed, supposed to solve their scoring woes, and he gets a red card. Uh, in his first 60 minutes immediately a straight straight red which uh means he misses the next three matches he's only there on loan they paid him like 12 million dollars or 14 million for the loan and so what did what i i saw that yeah he's missing three games which is a a sixth of their season so it it cost them like a couple million dollars that he's gonna miss so very so that would be what two million one sixth of twelve is no two million yeah. No. yeah two million. Um, was there any controversy regarding his signing? I know this might be a another um 
uh, knowing is half the battle. But I mean, did he want to come? Was this something? Did he do this on purpose is what I'm asking. So he yeah, that's a great question. That's so uh, he wanted to be at United. United didn't want to pay the cost of bringing him in. And so he ended up going to Chelsea. He, supposedly he wants to be there. I think more he just wanted to get out of Atletico Madrid for a little yeah. bit. Yeah, so he was willing to take whatever top Premier League team would take him. Um, but the original plan was. I'm sorry, I thought United. we were talking about Chelsea. Hi, oh, burn. <laughs> well, you asked the question. He, you want the story of what happened? You that was a joke about them being a top tier, a top ten. Oh, oh, oh I yeah. thought I thought it was a diss. I thought Chris talking about United again. Oh no, no, no! I was talking about how Chelsea's not exactly a top ten, really. They're, oh, I like that. That's a much better burn. Than- Thank you. I was. I'm. I'm not a total dick all the time. I was. Uh, I was burning Chelsea. That feels like it's socially acceptable on this podcast. Absolutely, it is. Hundred percent. So get in line, fellas. Jeez. <laughs> Guys, we're going to skip over a lot of different things. This episode's gone very long already, but we're not skipping over best bet. Uh, so, Chris, take it away. Yeah. You know why we're not? I wouldn't let us because I made a lot of money this week. So go ahead, Chris. <laughs> you made a lot of money tailing Nate. Good That's job. That's right. All right. So, Nate and Andrew, you guys did me a solid. You took Manchester United in the Derby, <clears throat> plus 330 underdogs. They cashed that. Welcome to the money house. Um, I sadly took Crystal Palace plus 490. They ended up losing over the weekend. Um, Kyle Murdoch got in on his first best bet this week. He took Fulham plus 240. Uh, Sadly, they lost as Mitrovic kicked himself in the foot and cost the team the win. Uh, Tim took Newcastle, who won. He won $54. And that brings everybody's total. Now I'm going to, okay, let's start with Kyle. You're negative 100. Welcome to the club. Um, <laughs> everybody is still in the red. Tim, you are at negative $640. Andrew, you're at negative $553. I am at negative $671. But Nate, you are our lone hope right now. You are inching your way to the green. You're still in the red, but you're only negative $13.25. Shut now on this up. Table. Five, no way. five, five wins in a row. He does have right? five wins in a row. Five wins in a row. I've never been more envious of another human being in my life. I'm still <laughs> down thirteen dollars. Thirteen yes. whole dollars. Yeah. It's but how impressive. many bets? It's That's twenty-one hundred dollars. Twenty-one. It looks like twenty-one hundred dollars bets. Twenty-one hundred dollar bets, and I'm only down thirteen. This is literally why I don't bet on sports ever. It's I'm the, down more than thirteen dollars uh, this weekend. <laughs> I know. I saw your text. You sent us uh, one update. It was beautiful. Yeah. All right, guys. So that brings us to this week, um, where Tim is taking Liverpool minus one twenty over Chelsea uh, to net him an eighty three dollar win there. Uh, Kyle, who are you taking? Perfect. Brentford. Brentford is a plus 190 this week. So hopefully they win, cash you out, get you into the green. Uh, Nate, who you got? I am taking United again. They're plus 270 over Arsenal. Uh, United's playing great. Obviously, Arsenal's playing great too. United beat Arsenal here in the air, but the plus 270, I like, I like those numbers. That's a really good bet. I, I support your bet. Thank you know you. how Chris and I are best friends and we usually team up against you? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I approve of your bet. 
thank you. I appreciate that. All right, Andrew, who are you taking? Um, remember how Spurs are a disappointment? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to take Spurs over City plus 650. Double yeah. disappointment. You got, you're going to love that over the weekend. Having well, said that's that, actually a midweek game. Win, that's, a, that's a Thursday game, just so you know. If they win, do you know how happy I'm going to be for like, in, uh, like, I don't care if they lose three stupid matches in a row. If they win this for me, not only am I in the green again in best bet, but my boys beat City and they moved up three. I'll take it. There is something fun about beating City. It just feels good. It yeah. feels real good. All right. I wouldn't know. Hold up. I wouldn't know just for the record, but you know, <laughs> you could imagine. You could I imagine. Can imagine. No, no, I can't. <laughs> no, no, I can't. Oh, thank All you. Right. That brings it to me. Um, I'm going to take Nottingham Forest this week. They're a plus 170 at Bournemouth who Bournemouth is pretty terrible. So uh, hopefully Nottingham Forest can keep winning like they have been and win me some money this week. How so, the shit is anybody plus one seven? Er, er, I, I don't get it. How it's only like Bournemouth sucks out loud. It's a way. It's an away. It's man. a way. That's the I, biggest thing in soccer betting is whoever the away team is. They're almost always underdogs. Yeah. But Bournemouth sucks so bad. Yeah. That's Ugh, why I'm right. trying to try and take advantage of that. I know, but, right. if you look, but I mean, if you look at just this past weekend, only two away teams won. Southampton at Everton and Arsenal at Tottenham. The rest. Hey, what was that second one again, Nate? The away <laughs> team that won? That traveled five miles? It's still an away match. Matches of the week. Wolves. We have a soccer neophyte derby in the FA Cup replay tomorrow. I have shifted Tim and my weekly one-on-one meeting to a pub and change the time so we can we can do our meeting and watch the match together uh which pub we are going to kettle black downstairs at our office just below where we work downtown i'll be there we still actually have stuff to talk about but you can join us city tottenham on thursday that should be great and then on the weekend we have (laughs) wait what (laughs) i know City, Chelsea, or Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal, United, and then a very important battle in the relegation zone, West Ham, Everton. I'm actually excited about Crystal Palace, Newcastle. Is that showing nuance that that match actually appeals to me, that I want to watch Newcastle's defense against Crystal Palace, who has shown some sparks from time to time? I, I mean, was like, when did they show some sparks? They've lost four of their last five games. It is nuanced, but it's nuanced <laughs> in a really odd way. I know. I just really have enjoyed both of those teams. Those were two of the ones that I kind of started liking early. And their, offense, still- their offense has been so sparky. They've scored two goals in those five matches, and they were in the same match. So they've been, they've been shut out uh, four times. Well, maybe I only watched the one match, and um, it, like, inspired me. I don't know. Maybe. Well, you can Maybe. watch that this weekend. I will not. Okay. Well, you don't have um, to be I, a jerk about it. Real quick. Best game. Be, nothing's, been, best nothing's been real quick this whole fucking episode. This, this, <laughs> one, this one will be. This one will be. Because I just want to know. The best match of the weekend is obviously Arsenal United. Arsenal has one loss in the entire season. It was against United earlier this year. Uh, who's winning that game? Not best bet. Who's winning that game? Arsenal. Arsenal. Fair enough. 
I, I hate to only say because, it, Chris. Only because they're home. Um, I don't, now that United doesn't have Ronaldo anymore, I actually have gone from less neutral to more positive about them. Oh, I see. Um, yeah, as you and should. And having said that, I also hate Arsenal, um, but Arsenal's winning this match. Yeah, Arsenal's really good. I'm not taking anything away from them. I would love a draw. This is one of those games where you'd be happy with a draw. 100%. I think both teams would be happy with the draw, to be honest. So, I don't think Arsenal would. I think they're getting cocky. Those guys are becoming kind of dicks. I got to be honest. Um, I, I was hoping Tottenham would win because there was potential this could have been a battle for first place. 100%. I knew this would not be real quick, by the way. That's what I said already. <laughs> I knew this was uh, not going to be. Really I good. thought we already agreed that long-winded bastards is the title of this episode. It sure is, yeah. but I I have stuff to do, including editing an hour and a half long episode, which I have to listen to again. I feel like we can make it two if we try. No, I will end it. Right now. <laughs> well, with that, Glazers out. No, no. <laughs> we'll fight match. What match, Chris? Are you having Kyle watch? Yes, watch Kyle's going to watch. What's that, Kyle? Did I watch the Arsenal one? You are. You're watching Arsenal United, the best game of the weekend. Nice. That's Sunday, it's right? Even, it's even on Sunday at 10.30 a.m. your time. There is no NFL going yet. This is a slam dunk, Kyle. You need to watch this match from the Watch beginning. it live. Hold on, Kyle, Kyle. Also, if you have time Thursday at 1 p.m. Don't, no, uh, no, don't do it. We're ending this podcast. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Lasers out. <laughs>